that guy just across from you, he ain't, he's not playing around. This yeah. is not a game to him. He's coming here to, you know, cause, you know, physical harm to you. But dude, my first time with Randy Couture, like, Randy was throwing my ass around. <laughs> Who's the best quarterback you played against? <laughs> People don't think I'm hating, right? And, and I'm not. <laughs> but um, I think Peyton Manning was the best quarterback. Over Brady? Over Brady. Welcome back to the Digital Social Hour, guys. I'm your host, Sean Kelly, here with an awesome guest for you guys today, Sean Merriman. How's it going? Good, man. How you doing? Can't complain, man. What you been up to? <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Too much. No, you know, th things are good, man. Um, obviously, you know, being in the fight business and stuff now and uh, being in the insurance business, like, I, you know, for me, man, I just, I got to stay active. Yeah. You know, I like to stay active. Um, but things have been great, man, post-career. Post you know, things have been great. See you transitioned well because it seems like a, a lot of pro athletes after they retire they seem kind of lost for a bit, right? Yeah, but no matter what, even me when I retired at the end of 2013, I got straight into TV, right? right. I was the NFL Network and I was doing the broadcasting thing, but you still it's it didn't feel right, right? It didn't feel normal, um, and so whenever I talk to athletes now, I say, look, figure out what you want to do while you're playing. Mm. And then do it as soon as you're done, right? Because that that first year is a struggle for anybody because the locker room is gone, the camaraderie, the mm. the regimen, your schedule, yeah, the, you know, being able to compete and watch film and like all these things are gone that you've been doing since most of us were like ten or eleven years old, right? And so you're going to go through that transition no matter what. So when you got into broadcasting, you were like, man, I wish I was on the field. <laughs> Dude, you know, you know what was, what was the hardest thing for me to be in a broadcasting booth was saying something negative about the players, mm. right? Like if a guy was in a certain coverage and you knew that he blew his coverage, yeah, right? You didn't want to call him out because, <laughs> you know, in the locker room, man, you're like, hey, you know, we don't, we don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I had to get comfortable with, you know, especially people, guys that I knew. Yeah. Right. Somebody's supposed to be in cover three and they and they blew it. You're like, hey, you gotta call it out because that's what the audience and the people watching want to hear. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned when you retired, you were some people thought you retired pretty early. Was that yeah. like a decision you wanted to make? Yeah, man. For me, um, you know, I had when I started having the back to back injuries and I couldn't stay healthy, and then I finally got healthy, but even when you're healthy, you've already had those injuries before, so you you can never get back to where you were. Mentally, right? No, physically. Oh, physically. physically. So mentally i was fine okay but the the physical aspect of it is that my body could continue to do what i wanted wanted it to do mm. right perform at a high level and even my last year with the buffalo bills they asked me to come back mm. uh, another year because i finished a year strong and they were like hey man we want you back we want to sign you to another deal and i knew in the back of my head i'm like i'm done mm. you know I'm, I'm just done um i was already i was already ready to do that next thing right i was ready and but it in the other in the other side of it, when I talk to players, I tell them, I say, dude, play until your legs fall off, right? Mm -hmm. Like, play until they literally force you out of there because it, it really is, man. It's like a it's, – it's an honor to get a chance to play on that level. Yeah. And it's a dream come true, and you don't want to walk away with any regrets. Right. Leave it all right? out. You got to leave it all out there because when you're done, that's it. There's mm -hmm. no going back. There's no – and I was ready to be done. Mentally, you were checked out. I was I was checked out, man. I was just, I had you know TV lined up. I had stuff with lights out. 
Um, you know, at, at one point I was training training the, the fight as well. I was working with the uh, WWE. Yeah, I was over the WWE network and I hosted um, the WWE uh, uh, the, the Wrestle WrestleMania. Yeah, when it was in New Orleans. Oh, that's dope. And so you know, I, I grew up like everybody else, like a WWE fan. A fan. Yeah, you know, I yeah. was just I loved I loved it. And so to get a chance and opportunity to work with them for that period of time, you know, I was I was I had a lot of other things going on, mm. but. You know, I tell guys, man, if you don't have things lined up, you know, get lined up when you're playing, but also play as long as you possibly can. Mm. That, you're, that you don't compromise your body and, you know, your well-being, but play as long as you can. For sure. Were there any injuries you sustained that you still feel to this day? Um, no, not really. Oh, okay. No, well, that's really. good. Yeah, I still, um, you know, because I'm in, an, uh, in a, the MMA business, in the fight business. Uh, I still train with a lot of guys. I still uh, I'm at Dragon's Lair a couple like four or five days yeah. a week. I'm at Extreme Couture like three days a week. Uh, so my body, because I take care of my body, you know, I feel great. Mm. But I don't feel great enough to go out there and produce on the field the way <laughs> I did. Like you, once you like once you have the injuries and stuff like that, your body's just starting to go like, and you can't sustain. Like I couldn't I couldn't sustain the entire training camp. Mm. Like, my body wouldn't hold up through an entire wow. training camp. It would just shut down? It would just shut down. I would have a hip, a back, a knee, a shoulder. Like, my body would break down over that course of a month in training camp. I couldn't do that. I saw you say on a podcast that <laughs> the Raiders have the worst fan base. Now, I'm a Giants fan. So, do you really think they're worse than the Eagles? Yeah. Because the Eagles are known yeah. to be, you know. Oh, listen. Um, you know, anytime you got a jail... <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you got a jail at, at your at your stadium, I would say this about the Eagles: they are tough to be there when they're playing their rivalries. I think I, the reason why I say the Raiders because the Chargers fans and the Raiders fans they hated each other so much. Mm. So I seen the worst of the worst, right? Yeah. Um, especially me coming there, I talk a lot of you know talk a lot of shit. I'm going back and forth with fans on social media, like you know I'm that person, right? Like I'm the villain walking in there. Yeah. Um, and I think with the Eagles, it, it wasn't a rivalry there. But the Eagles are definitely close second. Okay. For sure. I'll take that. And rookie year, what was your mindset? Were you intimidated? Were you excited? Like, where were you at? You, you know, um, to be honest, man, I when I came when I came in, because first of all, you come in into the locker room with four potential Hall of Famers, right? Right. You know, LT, with the end of the Hall of Fame, uh, Gates, Antonio Gates, Phillip Rivers, Lorenzo Neal, I mean, you're walking in with these these Hall of Fame caliber guys, probably like five different guys that could potentially be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And so, and I was 20 years old when I got drafted. At the time, I think I was the youngest, if not one of the youngest drafted ever wow. to the NFL. Um, but I was already like living beyond my years because everybody else I was around was older than me. Mm. And so I didn't come in the locker room with like this rookie, you know, this rookie attitude. You were used to it. Yeah, I was used to it. In fact... Um, by like the fourth, fourth or fifth game of the year, I was breaking the team down. What do you mean? Like you know, the end of the game, the huddle right before you go out. Yeah. You know, you get you know, get in the middle, you hype everybody up, and you get. Oh, you were doing that? Yeah, my wow. rookie year. That's like unheard of. Yeah. Um. You know, because it was it was like one of those roles that was like fitting fitting for me, right? Um. I always always looked at you got your team captain, you got you know like your spiritual guys, and you you know you got all these guys and yeah, like. Yeah. They go to the fire starter, him, right? <laughs> like he's gonna get everybody going, and that's the uh, the kind of role that I took in 
playing. Like that was it. Nice. You had a leadership role like very early on. Yeah. You were the guy early on. Yeah. And um, from there, what was it like throughout the years? Like, well, you, I think the the biggest thing is, um, and I just I just got off Fox Sports and they asked me about this. We we're talking about teams that never won a Super Bowl, right? right? And they asked me on 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 when I was on the radio, and because we didn't win a Super Bowl in two thousand six, we had we had the most dom in my opinion the most dominant team of the decade. Really? Yeah, they when we went fourteen and two. I, I, in my, and I'm not trying to be biased. I mean, you can. I think there's a good amount of people to say, "Hey, this team, this '06 Chargers team, was probably the best team to ever not win a Super Bowl." Wow, that's crazy. What what caused you guys to lose that year? Well, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> Peyton, Peyton Manning, um, Tom Brady. So we had to go through all those guys to get there. But you know, more importantly, man, I, I think that we just didn't realize the moment. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, a lot of us was young, and when you're young and you're that good in your head, you automatically think you can do this anytime you want. Yeah. Right? We can. I right, find we'll we'll get back to the next year. The next year. We'll get back to the next year, and then so it became the, you know, the playoffs in '06. Um, then when it came the AFC Championship game in '07, uh, another championship, you know, back to back. So in your head, you're like, we're good. We right. can, we can do this every year. We're getting one at some point. And I don't think that we just capitalize on, you know, those type of teams that we had at, mm. at that time. And there's so many unpredictables, like injuries, coaching was changes, a lot of that. firings. Yeah. yeah, no, it was it was definitely a lot of that. Um, we, we were we were hit with the injury bug. We walked in that 07, 2007 uh, championship game against the Patriots, and yeah. every one of us was, was hurt. Really? Oh, yeah. You know, I had a knee. Antonio Gates had a foot. Actually, Phillip Rivers was playing on a partially torn ACL that he, just, he had uh, surgically uh, scoped oh just gosh. to play in the game. That's LT insane. had a knee; his MCL was sprained. So we kind of walked in that game banged up, man. It was just it was just bad timing. God, who do you remember as some people that were just really tough to stop? Um, the, you know that that Patriots team like during that course of like between 2006 to 2010 yeah like they were just i don't think they were better than us on paper like they wouldn't they weren't a better team for sure mm. but they knew how to win hmm. right they they didn't make any mistakes um Bill Belichick you know coached the hell out of that team so right. you know we kept running up to into them yeah. right we they put us out of the playoffs in 06 we lost the AFC Championship game in 2007. Uh, then in 2008, we turned them around, and I think we had um, well, 08 or 09, we had the Steelers. Like So we just kept running running into really, really good teams yeah. at the time with, with great quarterbacks. Yeah, the Patriots one always fascinated me because they're not more athletic than the teams they beat, but they somehow just win. You know what I mean? Like their receivers are never as – as, as bouncy or whatever, right? But they just find a way to win, and that was them. That was them uh, through the course of that time in general. They they're very well coached, and they just didn't make mistakes, man. Yeah. That, that's you know you look back at those teams now, and I, and I hate like the you know the shit or woulda coulda things. Yeah, and, yeah. Or somebody asked me like, do I regret anything? I'm like, no, <laughs> I just I just wish we, we would have beat the Patriots. You know, like a lot of teams that. wish that, so you're not yeah, the only one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then afterwards, when did you start getting into the fight business? So um, I started to train um, Jay Glazer from over at Fox Sports. He introduced me to Randy Couture. Mm. 
And so I started training with Randy first, my first day in the MMA gym working with him. Um, and so I was like, you know, I, I like this. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I just had a passion for um, for this sport and then learning the discipline of it. I got really good with my hands. You know, being outside linebacker and pass rusher, I got really, really good with my hands. Yeah. Um, and so I started to do it every offseason. Uh, and then I got better, I got better, I got better. And then at one point I was going to uh, take a fight in 2015 or 16. Yeah. Somewhere around there because I was seriously training by then. Oh, nice. And, um, you know, I had a couple offers, but the money just wasn't there Okay. for me. Uh, and it, Because I had all this other stuff going on. Like I'm over here, you know, I got a great TV contract. You know, I'm over here doing stuff with the WWE and I had, you know, stuff with lights out going on. And I'm like, if I'm going to throw down, if I'm going to fight, like I'm, it's going to have to be worth it. Right. right. Because, yeah, you know, I'll tell anybody this, like you can play basketball, you can play football, but you can't play fighting. Mm. Like it's just one of those things where you, you all the way in or you don't do it. Right. You know? And so I, when I hear people like, oh, I'm going to go try to fight or go try to do this. Like, no, no, no. You either fight or you don't fight because that guy just across from you. He ain't, he's not playing around. This yeah. is not a game to him. He's coming here to, you know, cause, you know, physical harm to you. Yeah. Your life's on the line, man. Yep. It's not a joke. No, no, not at all. And we, we've seen some tragedies, man, with some athletes who are trying to transition to the sport <laughs> and, you know, be knocked out. And I, and I tell guys all the time, I say, look, because we're athletic, right, we got an athletic background, we've um, competed on the highest level. I said, when you get here, man, you have to switch your mentality when you're uh, training a fight because mm. your strength and all that stuff plays very little part in you actually being good. Yeah. You know, these guys have technique. They've been doing it for a long time. Their skill set is much higher than yours. Yeah. So you might be more athletic than them or stronger or faster, but ultimately they're going to have the advantage. Mm. So you go and, 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 you know, dude, my first time with Randy Couture, like Randy was throwing my ass around. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. just, just tossed me around and I couldn't figure out how or why. And it, and it just, Clicked over time as I got better. I was like, he was just on a, a whole different. Hmm. He had level. experience, a lot of experience. Yeah, yeah. So with uh with the lights out league, what's what's your plan there? Where do you see that going? So we um we got a big fight in San Diego, August twenty sixth, coming up at um, Casino Palma mm. in San Diego. Um, tickets will be up by Monday at lightsoutxf.com. and we're on Fubo TV. Okay, uh, Fubo Sports. So. Um, you know what's what's cool about that is when you have a, a TV partner. Right, it changes the ball game because what do these fighters do? Same, same thing with me when I was a former player. What I, I used to love Sunday night, Monday night football games, Thursday night. Like I wanted to be on TV. Right, right. you want a prime time. You want to be seen. That's what you want to do as an athlete. And so you have an opportunity to be seen mm-hmm. um, on a platform like we have. Actually, our last fight, man, we broke into like the top ten, top five, or top 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 five most watched on football sport. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. And, and so. Um, you know, for us, that was that was cool because, for me, I, I, I listen to the fans, right? Yeah. The fans will tell you if you got something great or they'll tell you that you suck. <laughs> and um, I think for me, ultimately, um, they just like the product. And these next up-and-coming guys, like we, we have, at Lights Out, we have the next up-and-coming superstars of the sport. Mm. Like, and, and I, when we put together these fight cards and I started to get around them through the weigh-ins and, I, yeah. you know, they... I, and some, a lot of them I know, but some of them I don't. And you can get around them right away because I've been around so many great athletes before in my life, and I'm like, you know, he's going to be a, a star right. or she's going to be a star in one day because they they stick out from everybody else, mm. 
right? The way they the way they prepare, the way they go about their work, the way they go about their business. Um, it's never any bullshit with them, like no excuses. Like they're there for they're there to fight, right? Yeah, and sick. handle business. And I can tell that. So for me, it's the, the the funnest part about that is being able to grow these guys who one day eventually are gonna be superstars in this sport. Yeah, that's huge. Have you been approached by like Bellator or UFC or anyone yet? Um, I know all the guys, Scott Coker at Bellator, you know, I, I work with them for, for a short period of time. Um, you know, Don Davis, Peter, all these guys at PFL, I, I know them, you know? Yeah. You know, we, when I go to the UFC fights, I went, I just was at the one at T-Mobile. Yeah. Yeah. I was there. Um, yeah, I was, yeah. So that, that was huge. Um, crazy. And normally when I go to them, like sometime I go up there and I'll sit with Dana. Like oh, nice. In San Diego, we sat together. Um, and so. I, I mean, I, I've always I've been around the sport for 17 years. Yeah, you know, I was like one of the few that when in, before MMA started to become mainstream at all, you know, I was at the fights. You know, when there was like no weight class. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Those back were the days. back when it was like you know guys were fighting in gi and, and yeah. shoes and you know what I mean like I saw the sumo wrestler one. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so I was I was going to those fights back then, um, before it became mainstream. So to nice. see where the sport is now. And the crazy thing is this, like with us, we have so many like tech verticals coming, you know, with AI, we have gloves now. You can measure p speed, power, accuracy that I'm going to, you know, introduce here probably wow. in the next couple of months. That's sick. And just give fans live data, more engagement, because for us, we're not trying to be the UFC. We don't care. Mm. Uh, we're not trying to be like PFL, Bellator, anyone. And we feel like we have carved out a lane to be like an incubator for these other companies that's just trying to come up and, and do test trials mm. in the tech space. Yeah. Um, and metaverse, VR, XR. I mean, we're we're in the next like, you know, three to six months, we're gonna look completely different as a company. Wow. Because of all these new things that we're we're adding. Man, you're on top of the trends, man. I love it. Well, you got to, man. And and look, the fights are gonna be the fights, right? Like you're in my opinion. Maybe maybe one day somebody dethrone UFC. I don't think they ever will. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure that there'll be enough that's going to try it. Um, we're we're not trying to do that, mm. right? We we love this space that we're in, and to be able to to be able to move move around, maneuver, and pivot to these like creative ideas and do different things like this. I love that space. Yeah. Of it. That's huge. A lot of pro athletes go broke. You've seen them manage to just dominate even after retirement. What would you say separated you from everyone else? I think um, I'm, I'm very um, – when I lock into something, that's it, mm -hmm. right? And I, I don't I don't get easily distracted by anything. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm a five – wake up at 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm in the gym, you know, six days a week. And I'm, I'm just very um, organized and smart with my time and very efficient. Mm. I think that's what, you know, what, what makes me different than a lot of people in this space is that you know, I have a lot of opportunities to do a lot of stuff. And, you know, people bring these ideas and all this great stuff, which is cool. And I'm like, no, man, we got, I have these three things right here. I have to do it. Mm. And so I'm not even looking or talking to anyone else or even hearing other people's stuff until I get these three things done. Wow. And I think that's what, uh, what separates me. And I've, and I've always been like that, even as a player, mm. right? Like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that until these two or three things are done. Um, and so it allows me to, execute everything that I'm doing. I, I'm If I got something going, it's getting executed, it's getting done, and then I move on to the next thing. So you're just locked in. I'm always locked in. Yeah. You know, seven days a week, man. I'm just, I'm constantly locked in. 
Um, you'll never get an out of the office reply on my email. <laughs> you know, that don't even exist. Uh, or or time that I'm saying, hey, I'm doing this. I'm not working today. Or I'm not working at this moment. I yeah. mean, you know, the only time I, I try to block out where I don't like people to really interrupt me is when I'm in the gym. Okay. But even then, man, I'll still send out a quick text or a quick email. Or, you know, I'll, I'll answer the phone while I'm in the middle of the bench press. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, but, you know, no matter what, I, that's a you know minute phone call. I'm off and I'm back to it. So, yeah, you're right. I'm just I'm constantly locked into everything that I do. That's sick. And with football, would, would you say you were naturally talented at first or was it a lot of work ethic? It was both. It was both. But, um, you know, for me, especially when you get up to the NFL, but when you start young, your mentality is the most important thing. Mm athleticism and all that stuff because i know a lot of guys who wasn't worth worth it worth it athletically at all really right but their mentality was scrappy these guys would do anything they'll jump over a pile they'll hit you out of bed like they were just scrappy mm. and a lot of those guys survived a lot longer than the, the people who are talented wow because their mentality and the, their approach how they looked at everything was just completely different yeah and so i had that mentality but i also had the athletic side to me, where it's like, okay, I wanted, I wanted, my mentality was these scrappy guys over here that would just do anything, right? They'll fight you to all the way to the death. Mm. But I had to make the athleticism to back up my mentality, mm. and that's that's what kind of separated me from a lot of other people when we played because you get up to the level, dude. I mean, I was I was uh, talking to somebody the other day in a, in a barber shop, and these guys were discussing like, oh, such and such is a bum. Right, they were talking about a, the second second string quarterback. I forgot for which team, and I stopped him. I said, "Dude, listen, that second string quarterback, or that second string linebacker, or that second string defensive lineman is the most at most athletic guy you'll ever meet in your life. Mm. The strong, probably the strongest guy, probably the you know whatever. And when you get on that level, everybody's so good. But what starts to separate guys is their mentality and their approach to the game. Yeah, it's so funny hearing just normal people saying, "Oh, that player's trash," when they're when they're even worse. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's crazy. To, like, it's interesting to dive into the mindset of pro athletes and see because there's some that just elevate past like the regular athletes. Yeah. I mean, and, um, you know, like certain certain people are first of all, you got to have discipline, right? Discipline is the, is the key factor in everything. Yeah. You know, you have to have that first. The second part of that is you have to be willing to sacrifice and do certain things that people won't do. Right. Um, you know, when you're tired as hell in that fourth quarter, it's hot as hell outside and you put your face mask and your helmet up in the air because you're trying to grasp for air. Ain't nothing there. <laughs> you can't breathe. But you're able to go out and then make that one more play, right? Yeah. Make that one big play and suck it up and go out and do it. Um, and that's, that is what separate the average guy or average athlete to the ones that are, are the, your, your pro bowlers and your all pros and your mm. defensive rookies of the year, all deep, all offensive rookies of the year, players of the year. Like those guys, when you get to that level, are able to take their mind much further than the average human being or the average player that's on the field. Yeah. Who is the best quarterback you played against? <laughs> People going to think I'm hating, right? And, and I'm not. <laughs> but um, I think Peyton Manning was the best quarterback. Over Brady? Over Brady. Wow. Personally. You know, it, like if I'm if I'm starting a team, I'm picking Peyton Manning over Tom Brady in a heartbeat. Really? Yeah. Because um, in my opinion, I, I think that when it came to a football player, the best quarterback, take the team aspects, take the, take the rings, take all that stuff out. 
if you got this guy or that guy, I'm going with, with Peyton Manning. Mm. Um, I think that he he was uh, capable of a lot more. Mm. Um, I think that he the, his his way of the game. I mean, he called, his nickname was the General, right? Yeah. He you know Peyton would come out and scan the whole field and call his own plays. Mm. And he he was different when it came to that. He was built different. Um, what made Tom the way he is 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 his competitiveness. Mm. You know, I and I played with Philip. Philip's the most competitive person I ever played with. Philip Rivers. Yeah, Philip Rivers. He's the most competitive person I played with. Mm. Tom Brady's the most competitive person I played against. Mm. And his his will to compete and his approach and how we his preparation and his willingness to compete is what made Tom Brady who he is. But when you're talking about quarterbacks and skill set, Peyton Manning. Wow. Yeah, that's a rare answer for sure, I feel like. Um, now, there's a lot of trash talk in the NBA, but what about the NFL? Are people talking? Oh, nonstop. Really? Yeah, no. Nah. I mean, I, I, didn't, I wasn't a big talker like that. You know, I talk with my helmet, my shoulder pads. <laughs> that, that, those two did a lot of talking. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you just – you hear, like, the most ridiculous, disrespectful <laughs> shit, man. Like, they don't go as crazy as they are now because they got, you know, cameras and microphones and stuff. People are know, mic'd up People now, right? are mic'd up yeah. all the time. So, but, man, I mean, before it got that crazy, you would hear the craziest Really? Shit. You know, guys talking about families and their wives and – their kids, like people, all kind of. Shit. I never knew that. And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty wild. <laughs> it was pretty wild. But um, I think that when they started to introduce like all the tech stuff and the microphones and cameras, yeah, it people toned it down a, a little bit. What would you do if someone talked to you? Depending on what position they play. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can I get to them? You yeah. know, because. There's a lot that can happen legally between a whistle. Right. Right. And so I, I um, you know, it, first of all, guys, nobody really said a whole lot to me because I didn't talk back anyway. Yeah. Um, but the the other part of that is if, if they ever did mm. do it, it's like, okay, cool. You, I'll see you around. You know, I'm going to see you at some point. Yeah. And, you know, we'll I'll, I'll let that situation happen in, but. You know, I never like looked at it doing anything dirty to mm. another guy. Yeah, I just um, I was never like that. I think that there's more than enough time between a whistle to do something to people if you want sure. to. Were there dirty players? Because I know NBA, there's some. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's dirty. Yeah, on every team. Like they're out to hurt you, right? Yeah, they're, they're on every team. But you know that going into the game, right? Right. Like when you watch film during the week and you're watching the the whole season or a previous season, my guys, and you you'll see somebody standing by the. Uh, Standing by the pile, right before the right, right when the play is over, and then the offensive defense lineman or linebacker, somebody come and take them right over the pile. Mm. The play is clearly over. <laughs> yeah, I've seen guys do that. Right, and yeah. so we're sitting around in the meeting room, like, okay, you know, seventy six. Y'all watch out for seventy six. Watch out for sixty four. Mm. And so, you know that going into the game, which which one of the guys are dirty? Yeah, so you know. Yeah, I feel like people know in the NBA, too, for the most part. So do you have, like, scouting reports before the games where you know each player? Oh, it, I would, you know, watch probably four, at least four hours of film a day. A day? Yeah. Holy yeah, Even in least, the regular season? Yeah, yeah, at least four hours of film. Wow. You know, you come in, um, you'll watch maybe an hour, hour or so, um, you know, with the team, and then you'll come back in and you'll watch practice and you'll watch, you know, the team again, and then when I go home, I'll watch another hour or two film. So 
all in all, you're getting at least, you know, four hours or, or close to it of film a day. Wow. Yeah. And that probably helped a lot with just planning out your strategy, right? No, it was that was everything because once you start knowing so much about a, a player, somebody else, yeah, it, it it's it's a game then at that point, right? You know, you when you know what how many times this guy's going to kick out before he tries to block you, or what his stance is before the players, and if they're throwing the ball or, or running it, it the the game, and then they're looking around. This is third and seven. The ball is on this hash yard mm-hmm. on the right side. They're only going to run three plays out of this formation, and yeah. now that guy's standing up high. He's, so you're looking at this is everything that's going on in one play, and this is one play, not a series. Like one play, it, you're looking at down and distance. Okay, third and seven. They're in this formation. Okay, they've run these three plays out of this formation. Now I'm looking at my guy mm. and looking at his stance. Is he is he wide? Is his stance closed? Is he is his hand in the ground? Mm. Okay, so which now out of these three plays, which one do they run? Which one do they run out of this formation, this down and distance? And by the way, his hand is in the in the wow. ground. Wow, you knew all that? Oh yeah, you That's knew that. Crazy. You knew that pre-snap. So now you got one or two plays they could possibly run. And so you knowing that you're going full steam ahead. Wow. You're going full steam ahead. So that's when when you see quarterbacks get sacked instantly. That's usually because they know what's going to happen. Yeah, you you know, you know. And some of the some and I had to by the way I had to learn how to watch film because mm. I didn't you know I, I was at first I was just kind of watch myself and and how I played or whatnot mm-hmm. and when I learned how to watch film I started watching everything mm. play clock down and distance what quarter was it how's that how's that guy stands what formation and all these these what we call pre snap keys you mm. you start knowing which play they, which one or two plays they're gonna run out of this situation wow that's insane I didn't know that much went into it that's crazy. I want to touch up on the life insurance stuff before we yeah. wrap up. Guys like Patrick Bet David, Sean Mike have sold their companies for a lot of money. What made you want to get into the life insurance space? Well, Sean Mike was one of the ones who, because you know, I've worked with Family First Life. I am. Oh, nice. And uh, so Sean Mike, you know, I got introduced to him by a good friend of mine, Brad Alkaisen, and uh, he introduced me to Sean. And we we had a very similar like thought process in um, in business. Mm. Uh, and in life, mm-hmm. and you know he's a pit bull, man. He likes yeah, yeah. he he you know he likes to get after. So I love that part of it too. But more importantly, man, um, I started to see like an upside in this insurance industry that I didn't know was there. Mm. Um, and obviously because I you know play ball, I have a big outreach. I started to build a a massive agent agency and start helping all these other people making six figure incomes. Mm. And so, and it just happened by that wasn't my plan. It was just like I realized the upside in the business and I started to bring in the people I knew who wanted to make some extra money and, and take care of some families and, and build a business. Yeah. And so once I realized it worked for like the first 10 or 15 people and I brought in another 10 or 15 people, I brought mm-hmm. another 10 or 15 people. And I just naturally organically start growing an agency um, and we're, we're hiring. I have over 200 agents throughout wow. the country That's that I work insane. with. Um, and, you know, at this rate, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past if I had a few thousand over the next year or two uh, because we have a system and a formula that's helping people change their lives. That's insane. I like life insurance because you're providing a valuable product to someone too. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing, man. Um, Obviously, the money's great. There's a lot of money in it. But there's not too many industries where you can you're helping somebody, right? Right? Because life insurance is necessity. It's not like a privilege. Like it's not like, hey, I'm gonna I might get some life insurance. I might not. Right? Mm-hmm. If you got kids, you have a spouse, you got a family, you you got to have life insurance. Yeah. You know, you got to you got to find a way to afford it. And 
uh, and figure it out. But, you know, just this business alone, man, I, it's, it became really fun for me. Mm. Uh, because the other day, I was actually, before when I just pulled up, I was on the phone with an agent that I work with. And, you know, he um, he left his job. He was working at uh, working at Verizon for some time. Never, never made anything or more than like five thousand a month. He mm. was struggling behind on a bunch of stuff and going on. Now he's like looking for homes. Wow. He look. He's looking at plots of land. That's crazy. Yeah. And this is this is within a year. That's right? nuts. And so I think that you know when there's this much upside into a business, you got to look at it. Um, and so yeah, so more anybody out there that's listening, you you want to work with me in life insurance? Go to lightsoutagency.com or DM me on. Instagram or something like that and reach out, man. I'd love to, love to work with you. Oh, yeah, man. Anything you want to close off with? Yeah, we, we got a, again, we got a big fight uh, coming up in San Diego, August 26th um, at Casino Palma. Mm-hmm. This is my, actually, what's cool about it is this is my first event back in San Diego since I retired. Oh, nice. Um, and so I was trying to put, get something down there for some, for a long, that's home for me, right? Yeah. I mean, it's still my, you know, my backyard. Um, so yeah, Casino Palm is going to be going to be lit uh, August 26th. It'll be live on Fubo, live on Fubo Sports, and uh, we got we got three guys in this card that's already uh, in the process of of signing uh, contender deals with the UFC. Um, and so that that part is really cool for me because these guys are going to be bona fide superstars. I know, yeah. but to have them come and, and fight for us for Lights Out Extreme fighting. Um, it's really dope. That's awesome, man. Yeah, definitely check it out. August 26th. Otherwise, see you guys next time.